Hey, this is the Revenue Accelerator with your host, Kat, the lead boss, and I have a guest today. So let me tell you a little bit about her right off the bat, because she's worth introducing. Um, an award winning, which I know a lot of people kind of, you know, roll their eyes at, but these are like legitimate awards. It's not like the ones you pay for and you get to like print off a certification from your computer. So really her focus is on actually making life which encompasses business and all forms of it, fun, interactive, and well, playful, let's say. (laughs) She's dedicated to using games and immersive experiences, right? To explore complex subjects like, oh, you know, kind of important topics like climate change, ethics, chaos, and team dynamics, right? So this is what we're going to kind of hit on today, which is that aspect of your business that can be a little bit more fun and engaging than, you know, nails on a chalkboard. So she's currently the professor of game design at Drexel University, which is like a really coveted position and title to be able to own because who wouldn't want to be like game designer? (laughs) Um, So she also has done work with the National Park Services, the 2021 Arctic Circle Artisan in Residence. Wow, like big a lot of words there. Um, And she's served in that role as well. And recently gave a TEDx talk on embracing uncertainty through play, which is a really interesting topic that I want to make sure we hit on today. Um, She's done things and presented at the World Economic Forum, the Toween Creativity Festival in Ithra, Saudi Arabia, and okay, I'm going to be done with this, KQED, San Francisco. (laughs) Um, So, you know, uh, what what did I miss? Like what got you into this and like, why is it actually important to, to have gamification and, and play as part of your, what I think is every day? Oh, definitely every day. Yeah. Um, I think that play gets kind of underrated as a part of our processes, especially in business. I feel like the idea of having fun is sometimes kind of taboo or it just feels terrible. Like, Oh, I have to go to work and it's supposed to be fun. Mm, like no one ever has fun doing the fun things yeah um and but there is space for joy and play in our in our everyday processes and why we play games is because we don't know what will happen there's this unknown to it that's really exciting and yet when we're in that space sort of in the real world it feels unnerving because there are these really high stakes situations or even low stakes stakes situations that feel high stakes Mm. so bringing games to a part of our daily lives allows for us to sort of like train in these areas of expecting and embracing uncertainty and also having a system to ground us there. We are in curated hands with games in a way that we are not with our lives, but we also have the ability to curate our own lives and sort of turn them into gamification systems. We can find the systems beneath the things that make us nervous or anxious or uncertain. Tell me a little bit more about that because, you know, processes get my ears all perked up (laughs) and systems and all that. So how do you use play to unearth the process and systems that I guess, you know, support your everyday ishness, right? With all the things, whether it's business or corporate, you know, things or whatever it is that you're initiating with in life. Yeah. So there's two sides of it for me. One is that I, I will work with individuals or teams in order to do this in a way that is the game gamifying and thinking about game systems for their own particular processes mm. or individual ishness. Um, and that comes from like a deep listening first and then sort of crafting gamifications around the individual. So it's gamifying you as, an, as a team or as a person. 
And that's like a very personal process that I love doing. And the other side of that is that, that we, you know, we offer, I run workshops and events that are in and of themselves games. And so for that, we look at gamifying a concept or um, something that is really complex, like climate change or philosophy or ethics. And so we build something around that. And those things tend to be deeply surprising. Mm-hmm. Um, humans learn through stories and we learn through doing. And so this combination of gameplay and narrative and taking action means that we are learning with our whole bodies. And that's something that can also be really scary for folks. I think this idea that you're, you're going to do something, like you're going to have to move and think. Um, and so what we do is sort of make that easy and fun and delightful. And there's some of the systems underneath that that I really like playing with are, well, there's three that come to mind. One is uh, roles. Do you know who you are in this moment? And we play all kinds of different roles in our lives and sometimes we embrace them and sometimes we don't. But if we know what the affordances and the constraints are of the roles that we're playing in any given moment, it allows us to make more robust and interesting choices within those roles to say, okay, I am playing this role right now. What can I do from this role? Or what does someone in this role, how do they make choices? And then for there, you have something at the very least to bounce off of to say, yeah, I can do that. I wanna try that out in my body. Or I actually hate the way that works. I wish people in this position didn't make choices like that. What can I do differently? And so roles is a big part of it. And that's sort of just understanding ourselves and bringing who we are to a game system. And then the other, another big one is goals. <laughs> what are our goals? Um, and in, in games, goals are very clear. We usually, if not always, know what the win state is. And so, but for ourselves, we have to define that win state. And so with the right curation, we can get to some really interesting win states and come up with some really powerful metrics for success um, mm-hmm. that are a part of an individual system. There's like so many things where like, I absolutely see, you know, how your process absolutely helps with, you know, business owners and all that, like one with the empathy of understanding not only who it is you are, what you're supposed to be doing, but understanding other people's uh, constraints sometimes, right. And looking at like, really the imagery that came to mind with me was what are the boundaries, right. That enable you to actually expand, which is a very duality kind of concept of being like, how do you restrict someone to allow them to grow? Um, you know, really kind of giving them these narrow focuses, which what is that, but kind of prioritization, what is your main focus? What are those things? What do you see as one of the things that really prevent people from, you know, kind of owning the different roles and understanding who they are when they are that person, you know, consistently? Yeah, I think roles often imply permanence, like Mm. you are this, rather than you are trying this on, this is an experiment. You get to play with this, you get to make choices within this framework, and you can bust out of it whenever you want to. There are all of these other roles you can try on, you can meld them together, and so there's this sense of of having to be someone or uh, feeling like we have to hit a very permanent mark, when Mm. actually everything is always shifting around us. And the most interesting choices are the ones that that we make what that we haven't been told to do. So it's being able to, like you said, like play within those constraints. These things are set. What creativity do I bring to those constraints? What can I do within this space? And so I think that's a big one is this idea that we have to be one thing or that we are always going to be the thing that we are being now, or that there's this straight up ladder from one step to the next, to the next, to the next, rather than 
a really fascinating network around us of next steps that we can take. So interesting, but you know, we've been socialized in that way in terms of like, there's hierarchy, there's this step, there's not, you know, you first, you go to, you know, theoretically what the American dream, you graduate high school, you go to college, you have a job, you get your master's, you get promoted within the promotion and the corporate ranks, right? There's certain levels that you need to complete. There is this step ladder kind of approach and you're asking people, to kind of step out of that oh, pun. Um, sorry, <laughs> to step out of the step system, right? And actually to flow, which is a mindset aspect that especially in corporate is not something that they understand, which is like, for me, I'm just like this, like multiple, like mind blowing experiences here, because it's how do you get people to do personal development without calling it personal development in a space and an environment that does not embrace personal development or encourage it really? Yeah, I have so many thoughts on all of that. Um, I think one of the things that that games and immersive experiences, particularly the, particularly the latter, allow us to do is sort of infuse what we would otherwise call habit or practice uh, or, you know, professional growth with ritual. Mm. And ritual has some spirit to it. <laughs> There's some power in that. And it's story-based. Ritual is often story-based. And it's still very communal. And so where a lot of these ideas around personal development feel very isolating, or at the very least, they're sort of associative. I am working on this growth. What is everyone else working on? Is anyone else personally growing? Are they personally growing faster than me? Whereas rituals actually bring us together and say we have this common purpose and we are celebrating our existence in this moment. And I think both games and immersive experiences allow us to have the space not only to engage in those things and enjoy them, but to create them. So part of what we do is sort of find that transformation space to where it goes from something that feels like an obligation to something that is deeply rooted in the agency and the choices of the people who are engaging in mm. these processes. What do you want to do repeatedly? Right. No, I mean, a lot of what you were saying was, as you were saying it, I was thinking about, okay, so what, like a lot of times, especially, and I'm going to, you know, refer to the American society because that's what I'm most familiar with, which is a very individualistic society, right? Is you are progressing on your own. It is wrong and bad to really be dependent on other people. And you progress with this, uh, you know, it's like the superwoman, superman kind of philosophy of like wanting to project this extreme um, aptitude of individual success versus what you're inviting people to do, which is how do you create success leveraging group engagement and using a game in a way to help break down the barriers of individual pursuit and looking at really, you know, not group think in the most positive ways versus the negative, you know, down spiraling ways. What are the things that you kind of implement or leverage as part of creating this collaboration versus what seems to be like humans innate uh, intention of working by themselves or stepping on people, right, to, to progress? Yeah, a lot of it is shaking up the current system. People have a desire to do that even when they fear it. Um, and so when an opportunity presents itself, we have found that folks are very willing to engage, yeah. um, especially there's, uh, so this is something that happens in game rules a lot, which is that you get a whole rule sheet and you're expected to sort of read all the rules and then, and only then you can enter into a play space and immersive experiences don't really do that. You know, you're along for the ride, you're being guided in this process. And so I think with the right guidance, with the right curation, <clears throat> excuse me, you can bring folks along step by step by step by step by step. There's consent all the way through. There's excitement all the way through. 
And so no matter what, a, a group or an individual is sort of going through this process of feeling engaged and questioning, and they're doing it together, or they're doing it in conversation with the materials. And so with immersive experiences or the workshops that we run, which are immersive experiences, um, we, we take people on a journey. And that journey is always conductive. You are playing games with partners or in groups. And so you're in deep conversation, but you're in different game conversation is very different than work conversation. Goals are different. Yeah. Constraints are different. Roles and purposes are different. And so you find out how people play in a really different way. Um, and then we engage in some very uh, sort of like common game things, like we have RPGs, which are role-playing games, which sounds terrifying for anyone who hasn't actually done this. So I think of like, more, like live action role-play, like bring out the swords and the capes. <laughs> right, right. People are like, so I should get my pool noodles. Are we going to fight on the lawn? Um, yeah, you're like, no, I think that's a lot a of people would probably be game for that. <laughs> Right, that's true. It does sound, yeah, now that I say it out loud, <laughs> we should totally create Actually, that. <laughs> right. Um, but it's, it's world building. You're building a whole world together. And in world building, you figure out what the values are. Like, what do we stand for as a group? Who do we each individually want to play? And how do they actually fit together? And you just have to figure it out. <laughs> There's no saying that like, you know, okay, oh, you wanted to be a fighter? Get out of the group. No, the question is, what does a fighter do in this scenario? What does a fighter do? with this particular campaign. And so with, a, with creation of an RPG, we guide folks through that world building process and help them figure out what their shared values are without calling it a discussion of shared values. And then once they've crafted that world, they get to test out the experiment and play in it yeah. and actually take action within that world and see where their values and priorities and excitements are coming through and where they wanna like change the world a little bit. And so that process I find to be like extremely invaluable. And it's such a bonding process to create a game together. It's really satisfying for folks too, just to have gone through that process. Well, there's a lot to be said about being in an alternative reality, right? Which is a little bit of kind of what's being created. And then the permissions that we give ourselves because we can take on these, these alternative roles or even personalities because the restrictions and the expectations and the um, judgment almost that we have been stigmatized with, right? Either by ourselves, by other people or through experiences, the, it's almost like releasing our inhibitions and being able to step into this version of ourselves that we might even want to be um, and giving ourselves permission, which is a lot of what I think people, whether you're in the corporate world or in the business space, in the business space, whether you're an entrepreneur or corporate, right, is giving yourself permission to be more of who you actually naturally are versus the expectation of what you think or you believe other people have of you. Yeah. And we often don't know that until we try it out. Right. You know, we can test. Entrepreneurs are so woke. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we are, as you were saying before, we sort of get indoctrinated with this idea of being statuesque in some way, being frozen in a certain way of being. But when we actually get to try something out, it becomes a little bit clearer, like, oh, that is a part of me. Or, wow, I haven't been engaging that part of me for a really long time, or that used to be a part of me. And then it becomes this conversation that you can have with yourself about who am I in this moment and how am I relating to a group? I love that. What came to mind was kind of the either like, you know, a chess game where people are just all in their roles and you only you have very definitive rules as to how someone can progress. Whereas if you take the same concept and not trying to be like war focused, but like you have people on the chessboard, they don't always move in a predictable way, right? They're moving forward, but your ability to be like a pawn can only move one, you know, 
one square forward except on the first move or whatever it is, right? Like these definitive rules that we've kind of grown up with get broken, which can cause a lot of insecurity, right? And so having a safe space to break the rules where there's not consequences, I think is also something that really helps people step into their willingness to actually play. Yeah, there's this this conception of games as always having win states also, Mm -hmm. which means that there are always lose states, right? And it doesn't have to be like that. There are a number of games that don't work like that. And the games that I work on and and integrate with clients are not, they're almost never win-lose like that because we've been trained. We know what that is. Right. Um, but what we don't know how to do is play for the sake of play. Yes. So we have this, um, this beautiful phrase from James P. Parks, this dichotomy between finite games, which are games that you play to win and therefore end the play. Mm. And, there, and then there are games that we play to play and we play to keep playing. We play to find a new way to continue to be playful, to continue to engage and learn and change. And so those are the games that give us that transformative space mm. is to be comfortable enough with the uncertainty of what comes next to be excited about it and to trust ourselves and the people that we're with that we're going to find our way. So what are some ways that people can keep playing while there's uncertainty? Because I think that's a big thing. And we were talking about this right before we hit record, which is risk, right? So uncertainty feels risky. It's unknown. There's all these threats, right? It's the flight or flight kind of, you know, triggers. How does one continue to play doing all the things kind of that you called out before and not get triggered by the uncertainty aspect of things. Yeah, that's where the systemic nature of games comes into play. Mm. The system is changing, but it's probably not gonna completely drop out from under you. So what's the next experiment? What can you do within this role, within the constraints that you have that actually speak to also the affordances? What is possible? And so it's this movement from there is chaos and therefore things are falling apart and I'm gonna grab tight to what I know to an expansive idea of like the world is falling apart a little bit and that is leaving space in the cracks for some really interesting stuff to happen. I'm gonna actively keep my eyes open because I know I have that affordance in the position that I'm in. So there are still some grounding forces but those grounding forces allow us to see possibility rather than the darkness. So really attaching yourself to fact versus looking at all the things that may not be real essentially. So it's kind of the slippers underneath the bed, right? So you know that there might be something underneath the bed, but focusing on the fact that you're safe in the bed versus what might be living underneath the bed until you're ready to be able to see that it's just a pair of fuzzy slippers and not this huge monster. Oh, that's such an interesting framework. Yeah, I would definitely, I would definitely buy that. I think there's also something to saying like, there might be a monster under the bed. How do I speak to the monster? You know? Yeah, we're getting some mind fuck stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. So the approach of there is, oh, I love that because what is your innate reaction, right? And so whatever that is, exploring it and seeing it and then being like, how do I explore alternatives? Is there an alternative reality? Because we know like one of the laws of physics is that all realities exist at any given time and point. And so your one route of thought is not the only thought that is possible in terms of a solution. What I love that you said earlier was the fact of having um, guidance, right? There is someone there with more knowledge, more understanding, who, who actually may know all the rules that you don't know, who may know more rules than what you may be privy to. Because I've seen gamification where all of a sudden someone comes in and new rule, you didn't know this is going to happen, but now everything has changed, right? Um, Which is actually super important because that's a reflection of reality. 
what, where do you think people need to implement more of an external guidance in their life and business to help them with the achieving success, achieving the goal, whatever it is, that is the focus. I think it's always helpful to be honest, to have another set of eyes saying like, what are the rules that you are currently living by? And do you stand by them? Do you want to be living by this rule set? Um, and so I think it works, it works across the board, which is why like we work with C-suite and we work with teams because mm-hmm. some of these things are really communal, um, but also some of the communication does come down from the top. And so there's always going to be like integration and, and bridge space there. Um, but sometimes there are different conversations or there's, there's a question of how to open up the door for those kinds of conversations around work culture or around what a product is going to be, you know, how is mm-hmm. this project going to speak to others? Um, so I think it, it is particularly, it is particularly helpful in times when you are establishing or rewriting the rules that a group is existing by. So sometimes that's team, that's times when people or teams are feeling really stuck. Sometimes it's entering into a new process or the new wave of a, of a process. And so there are transition times when it becomes particularly helpful mm-hmm. or that anxiety space right before a transition is absolutely necessary. Which happens all the time, right? And, all you know, the there's the, the upper limits, right, that each of us experience in terms of our capabilities, our growth, our even revenue, if you will, in terms of this is the only amount of money I can make. This is the only amount of whatever it is that you measure success by, right? Because it's not just money. Um, I can't have more time. I can't get help. No one can do what I do, whatever those limitations are. What are some things that people can do to help either rewrite the rules or release the limitations that they've kind of created as their reality? Yeah, um, I'd say the the simplest thing to do is to start with one experiment. Mm. I run my life like a creative lab, so everything is an experiment. (laughs) Um, So I'll tell you the ones that I've been doing lately. Um, I've just been keeping a different set of metrics. Like I, I usually keep metrics, but lately I've just been checking in every day on my top five values of the moment. Mm. And when I first started this, I thought I nailed it. I was like, these are my five top values. I did it. This is my life. This is my life's work. And a month later, I was like, yeah, I might've been wrong about three, four, maybe even five of these. And so there is this restructuring, reshaping for the moment that has become really valuable. And so that's just a gamification that I have on my life. Um, I have a reward system in place for it. There's a structure to it. And for each of those, I look at what role I'm playing. Um, like what is the role that this aspect, this particular interest of mine is playing and what is my role in my organization right now? And how is this particular priority mm. moving through me as I relate to others? And so there are elaborate and simple systems in which that's really exciting for a lot of people. If you nerd out on, on metrics, then we can, we'll talk. Um, <laughs> And I'd say another one is to just identify one role that you play in life and Mm -hmm. literally write yourself a list of game roles. What do you play by right now? What are the constraints of this role? What are the affordances? What can you do, whether you choose to do it or not? What can you do within Mm -hmm. this role? What's possible, whether or not you believe you can, just what are the possibilities releasing you know, the, the, the boundaries or the restrictions that you might have on yourself of really stepping into, if someone could fully experience this role, what would the world, what would that, their world look like in terms of, you know, options and things like that? That's really, yeah. I love the way you put that. What would it look like to fully realize this goal, to fully embrace it, this role? Right. Right. And so it, it almost, you know, opens up the door to possibilities because it's like, all right, well now it's not about me. It's really about, like for me, imagination is one of the most powerful aspects of entrepreneurship because 
we are doing things in terms of the entrepreneurial space that we were not allowed to imagine. We were told no. And so to think beyond, you know, being dependent on another company or something like that, right? Rewriting the rules in terms of what the expectations are, how to create success and all that. It's one of the reasons why there's such a drive for community in the entrepreneurial space. And it's one of the things that I think is missing. And you hit on that really earlier on here in terms of, you know, creating the individual versus the group aspect of this and kind of, you know, shifting from the individual to how do we create a group win, which also still allows for an individual win. That's like the Holy grail speaking of Indiana Jones, um, you know, like of what we're trying to achieve, because I, I think innately we want to be a group community structured, you know, uh, human beings. We want to be good people and look out for each other, but society and rules and expectations kind of manipulate and tarnish that ideal that we innately want to hold true because how can I win if other people are winning? And it's that lose win kind of philosophy that we've been trained on. Yeah. The team that plays together stays together. Oh, you have to go and be basic like that. (laughs) (laughs) Um. What are some things that if someone, you know, I'm sure you, you hear I'm stuck probably a lot, or, you know, I'm trying to do something and I can't, what's something that you would point someone towards to help them with realizing more of their potential or getting out of stuck or getting into, I can, or how can I? Mm -hmm. More questions is the first thing. Um, What does stuck feel like in your body? Mm. How long do you think you've been stuck and how many areas do you feel stuck? What is stuck? So really what does unstuck it. look like? What does the future of unstuck look like? I think we, we tend to have a really hard time imagining the future where it's really easy to imagine what it's like to be unstuck, but not knowing what unstuck actually is. And so then it's just sort of striving for this really abstract idea of, of perfection, really, that we're not going to hit. And so identifying what a real, uh, to switch us back to the binary here for a moment, what a win <laughs> looks like. <laughs> um, can be really helpful. So there's a process that of, of really digging into those questions and getting to like the radical aspect of it. Like what is the root of this feeling? Mm. I think that's the only way to sort of look at what a, what success would look like or what successful metrics would even be. And then we'll, we look at action steps. I mean, I'm seeing, so there's, there's um, what I call being the, the Rosetta stone. So there's corporate speak and there's entrepreneurial speak. And there's actually, they're not two different languages. It's just that they have different words that they use for the same thing. So in terms of really understanding what, like when you were like, what does unstuck look like? What are the steps that would, t-? I was like, that's manifesting, right? Of like really connecting to what that future state looks like and what would be the steps to do it and calling it in and embodying it and, you know, really diving into the feelings and emotions of it, which, you know, mm, taboo in the corporate world. Um, but putting it underneath um, a different guise, right? And it's kind of like hiding the vegetables so the kids will eat it. Um, And doing a little bit of that in the corporate space of saying, hey, like, this is the thing that you need. It's good for you, but I know y'all don't want to go there. (laughs) Yeah, and I'd say that's why, that's exactly why games are there too, is to to do less, like we call it in the games industry, we call it like chocolate covered broccoli. Um, And there's a lot of things that are like impact. Yeah, impact (laughs) games. That also sounds disgusting. (laughs) It's terrible. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, mm, don't you want this good thing? Um, and no one ever buys it. You know, like my mom used to come into my room when I was a kid sometimes and be like, let's play a game. And the game was clean your room. You know, like that's it. There was nothing else to it. Humans are really good at picking up on that. Uh, can I swear on this podcast? 
Yeah, but, but go right. ahead. Humans Let's are really good at picking up on bullshit. Yeah. And so we can't do that. Like, and what we, we really strive to make it not, like it's not even, it's no form of chocolate covered broccoli. Like our standards are very high mm. for what is actually fun and satisfying so that it doesn't, it doesn't feel like you are walking into a trap. <laughs> So how much does fun, I mean, this is such like a, 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 a layup, whatever, but how much does fun really have to do with creating more success in your life and achieving goals again, wherever it is you want to be focusing on? That's such a good question. It depends on the person. Um, oh, I think fun versus I mean, fun and satisfaction walk a yeah. very, a very um, fine racer's edge of this question of like, when am I feeling when am I feeling uh, engaged and full and like whole as a human? And then fun tends to be like, when am I in some sort of flow state where I don't at all feel like I'm working? I am making choices and I am enjoying making choices. Mm. I make these choices because I really deeply want to. And so that for us feels like, um, like that's a metric of success. Are people deeply engaged to the point where they are really enjoying their agency, really enjoying making choices for themselves? Wow. Like just having to pause there and like thinking about that flow state, which is, we've all felt it. We all know it when it's happened almost. It's almost like in the moment we feel it. And afterwards it's this euphoric kind of experience. And I could think all the things that you were sharing today in terms of looking at the roles, looking at, you know, the rules, the, the, you know, the rules of engagement, the rules that you're playing by all the things help you get to that flow state. Is that, off or is there something else that you would add to helping people get there? No, I think that's pretty accurate. Awesome. Um, so you've like, (laughs) it's been awesome. I know there's more, uh, if I could keep going, I would, um, how can people get in touch with you and learn more about what you do and how they might be able to leverage also this process and system and concepts in their life and their business, in their corporate careers or wherever? Yeah, I'm a, I can be reached to all kinds of places. My social media and website are the same thing. And so the website is, um, I'll, I'll apologize in advance for this. It is deep cut philosophical wordplay here. Um, so you're welcome to like four of you. And I'm so sorry to everybody else. But it's icantkoan.com, which is I-K-A-N-T-K-O-A-N, like self Emmanuel Kant and uh, Zen Koan. So have so much fun with that. <laughs> and that's my handle on everything as well. And uh, if you go to I can't go on slash accelerator, I'll leave a little mini game for folks. Oh, sweet. And that will be in the show notes for you guys to go ahead and click on and leverage. And we all know that we could use a little bit more game, which will inspire us, which will help us get into flow and live the life that we should be living. Um, you know, any parting words that you have to share or words of wisdom, if you will. Um, it has been a pleasure to be on here today. It has felt so good to be able to talk about the things that I love. And I think the, the last parting words would be just to, um, to remain open-minded about being playful um, and start thinking about ways that play can, can feed into your life. And if you can't think of any, hit me up. Awesome. Thank you so much for being on today. Thanks, Kat. <laughs>